Hello, good morning. Uh, whoever's out there, I hope it's not Brady, because uh, I want to have a little chat with Brady first. So Brady, is that you? Because I can't tell whoever is on the on the on the listeners list. Let me text Brady. So Brady, are you there? If you are there, could you uh, put something in the chat room? Because uh, for some reason, I cannot see anyone, any listeners on the on the listeners list, which is very strange. Okay, I apologize. I apologize. I have some technical difficulties because I cannot see who is on the caller list.
Okay, I'm going to get started. Uh, so today is uh, January the 22nd, year 2023. And uh, today happened to be the uh, Chinese New Year also. And so happy New Year again to everyone out there. And uh, hi, July. I see July. I'm going to take July's call. And uh, hi, July. Good morning. Hey, Peter. Sorry I'm late. I got a, a text and a call right as I was waiting for your room to open. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, doing pretty good. I, I my uh, One of my other communities, that was um, one of my comrades in arms over there on uh, mainly from Twitter, but it's... Uh, it's the long COVID community, and this is a friend of mine out of Vanderbilt, actually. Mm-hmm. Who, um, mm-hmm. You know, he his specialty is sort of the analysis of uh, HIV and AIDS, and which mm-hmm. is a, a weird virus, of course. And we know of a lot of weird viruses now through the years. And yes, mm-hmm. but just some uh, this morning there was a report out of Germany that they pretty much. You know, called it COVID, basically a certain kind of AIDS, an acquired immunity deficiency syndrome, which it's sort of a yeah. But it's anyway. It was it was an important conversation I wanted to have real quick. But I'm sorry I'm late. So oh no, no, please no no. I mean, thank you for joining me. No, I I, I'm science kind of guy too, and I know Brady is. As a matter of fact, uh, Brady. contact me via text earlier today he wants to talk about something i said well we can just talk it openly in my show but uh he disappeared so i'm guessing because uh, he brady is a uh, do you know brady yes i brady did I Cro- fact, uh, brady i called brady uh a few weeks ago and i said because he's a health guy you know he grows yes yes exactly he, go ahead sorry yeah he works on an organic farm in texas and stuff like that so yeah that conversation with him Oh gosh, was it like about a month ago, maybe on call okay. in mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. COVID? So if you wanted mm-hmm. to dig that up, it's me and him talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the topic you were talking earlier today is important. I'm interested too. So you know, let me know if you have a room for that kind of topics. I'll be happy to you know join join in on that. So. Well, I seem to be in a way co-hosting more rooms than I'm starting myself and, and including on clubhouse which is my film tv room you know mm-hmm. over i have each one kind of has its place but over there i'm you know i'm known as mm-hmm. fly over there and i'm like <laughs> and i'm like a no, I, I'm, as a matter of fact i'm going to invite you as a speaker you, you just mentioned co-host i mean that give me an idea uh-huh. <laughs> so i just made you the co uh the speaker so just uh you know feel free to chime in because uh you know because uh so yeah great uh so let me uh, get started because i actually want to talk about the conversation july and i had uh last sunday and uh so as a matter of fact i want to talk about four different calling folks i had some contact with uh in the past week july being one of them so the first one i'm gonna i'm not gonna name names you know because i know uh so this calling uh, folks, person, uh, contact me via DM saying, hey, uh, Peter, I want to set up a separate room with you and the, uh, some other folks. And uh, he called these folks a civil persons. And uh, and uh, I 
respond to saying, you know, I'll be happy to discuss that. And uh, but later on, this person withdraw that invitation uh, because on second thought, he believed that's not a good idea. And I agree with him because I want to talk about this. I know there's a lot of complaints about uh, uh, among us about each other in the past few weeks now. And I've always said I want to have a Chinese New Year truth, meaning that everyone should unblock, unblock whoever they are blocking. And everyone should remember, we are all the victims of mainstream media and the victims of, of a government breaking laws. So we should help each other, heal each other, instead of tear each other apart. You know, we, we know we should all agree to disagree and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and move on with our own lives and uh, with our own topics and all that. So, so that's when calling folks uh, a person I had contact with this past uh, past week. And the second person I want to talk about is July. I'll tell you, July, you know, I truly enjoyed the conversation we had last Sunday. I'll tell you why. I told you about this uh, lawyer friend of mine whose uh, daughter at a tender age of a sixth grade telling the entire class that when she was growing up, she will not become a lawyer because she does not want to make a living by lying to people. So her lawyer father is actually extremely impressed with his daughter. So, so that's the first person I called it with the inside track, with the legal profession who speak out against this profession in this country. And the second person I come across, who is a man, whose sister, he's based in California, and his sister is a divorce lawyer, a family law attorney. And he, he told me all kinds of bad things that his sister's doing, talk, talking about, you know, sibling rivalry and all that. He, you know, he, he, he shared with me a lot. He personally donated uh, like $2,000. He and I never met. He just sent me $2,000 in money order saying, Peter, I love what you're doing, not for this show, for something else. That this is my contribution to what you're doing. And July is the third person. July, you know, again, July is another person who had who has the inside track of what's going on behind the closed door. You know how our justice system operates, and it's extremely you know enlightening and all that. You know, and, and again, I'm doing this not because. Oh, by the way, later on, I'm going to show the, one of the biggest critics of the legal profession is no other than a U.S. Supreme Court justice, which has a which I'm going to talk about. So this is the first thing I want to talk about. Four uh, calling persons I had some contact with in this past week. The second thing I want to talk about is this. Uh, last night, you know, it's of course Chinese New, Year, New Year's Eve. I was very disturbed to read the news that in Indiana, a white woman, for no good reason, sitting on a public bus, saw a Chinese student from China in one of the universities there, and she pulled out a knife 
and stabbed this person's face repeatedly. And we, when she got arrested, the police asked him why she's doing that, and she said she believed the Chinese are coming to blow this country up. That's why she did that. That is yet just another, you know, racially based, racially motivated, violent act. And uh, the reason I want to bring this up is this. Christopher Ray, the director of, of, of the FBI, I call you know, one of the main players in the deep state of this country, has openly said there are, three, there are about 300,000 Chinese students each year enrolled in the, U, U, in the U.S. colleges and universities. Most of them, you know, I know that they pay their tuition, yada, yada, yada. Actually, they caused some controversy in the in Washington, state of Washington that a lot of local residents believe the, the college is so expensive, partially because uh, a lot of foreign students, including the students from China, is paying up all the tuitions, blah, blah, blah. Of course, the college administration, you know, love to have those re uh, tuition revenues and all that. But long story short, Christopher Rabe literally said, these 300,000 Chinese students always enrolled in the U.S. universities and other higher edu learning edu institutions are Chinese spies. So that means that the Chinese literally have spy schools that will produce about 300,000 spies each year. That, of course, is nonsense. And the Rave, you know, for his false allegation, he calls for what's called, he called it, the whole society response, meaning that each citizens of this country should be on the lookout for these Chinese spies. Remember, these are 300,000 students from China. So this is one of the examples that the words of these deep state representative literally is the root cause of this racially motivated violent act. So that's where we're at. And uh, I called in yesterday on uh, Byte's uh, show last night when I bring up this uh, Rosewood massacre in Florida ha happening uh, that occurred 100 years ago. These are all racially motivated violent act. We are not over with it. We still have those today thanks to no other than our government. So, 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 so in that regard, so that is a very disturbing thing, news for me to read. But at the same time, it is extremely fitting because just two days ago, I also watched a DW documentary. DW, I think it's, uh, it's called the Dutch Well. Dutch Well. It's a German public television on YouTube. Dutch Well has this episode, documentary just recently published. The title is this, Chinese fishing threatens the livelihoods of a Sierra Leone fisherman. Chinese fishing threatens, just, just the title itself, it's a Chinese threat, okay? But hilariously, I watched the whole documentary, okay? It's actually a well-made documentary. But I want to explain to you the narrative 
and the factual footage from the documentary. Inside that footage is the local people, the local fishermen, literally the people of of uh, coast of uh, Sierra Leone, which is an African country. They literally said there are Asian fishing boats, meaning fishing boats from Asian countries. They literally said they can, they are from China, they are from South Korea, and they are from Taiwan. I'm pretty sure there could be other boats, fishing boats from, you know, basically they fish along the coast of these African countries. That's what these local people's telling the documentary makers. But however, how hilarious, how selective this title is. It will say it's the Chinese fishing threatens the livelihoods, not the other Asian countries. Within that documentary, the local people literally said it is the corrupt government of the Sierra Leone who are bribed by these fishing companies to give the fishing rights to these foreign fishing boats that caused this to happen. So a corrupt local government has everything to do with these illegal fishing companies are doing off the coast of African countries. Now for all these troubles, oh, by the way, the documentary also showcased the societal breakdown of Sierra Leone. They literally interviewed the many African fishermen, men, these are men, and their wives. Basically, they showcase this person who have seven wives and 47 children. And many local women complain their fishing, fishermen's husbands left them and their children for another African country and never returned and never sent money back to support their wives and their children. Among all this misery, it is it's a tremendous misery. Okay, you've got to get, I encourage you to watch that. And then compare the title, Chinese Fishing Threatens the Livelihoods of Sierra Leone's Fishermen. With the content of that documentary, you will find out there's a lot of misery, there's a lot of information. But what is what I want to point out is this. This is just another typical example, a, a pattern of a behavior by I call the white ethicists. Remember I I I, I turned the word ethicism, like a truthism. This is not a, you know, basically the documentary makers somehow assign himself or herself in a higher moral ground to issue a judgment against Chinese, even though his or her own documentary paint a bigger picture. This selective usage of words has a deliberate purpose to stir up racial hate. I am against any illegal fishery for the fact that I'm pretty sure back in the slavery times, the Western colonizers must have bribed the local government so they can take massive amount of humanities out of Africa and trafficking them to Europe and America.
The same shit happened. You know, basically, what the, these Chinese fishing boats did, what these Taiwanese fishing boats did, what these uh, Korean fishing boats did to the fish of the Africa coast, that happened exactly what the Western colonizers did to the people on the land of the Africa continent. So for that, the Western colonizers, the Western powers have never come clean about that. But at the same time, do be, they do believe they have the somehow moral higher ground to issue moral judgment. So, 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 so this particular wording, which I want to stress is that this is what the mainstream media produce to stir up racial hatred, to, to motivate racial violence, plain and simple. And uh, so, so that's one thing I want to talk about. So, you know, you will think now I'm traveling alone these days and I met very fine people, black and white. Okay. I truly enjoy this uh, trip so far. Uh, people will ask me, you know, do you feel safe? My friends will ask me, you know, again, this lawyer friend of mine in Delaware, he always call me and say, hey, how are you doing? I mean, I'm just, you know, he's surprised I'm still alive. And, uh, you know, I, I always said, you know, in this country, in the, the country called America, in my opinion, the personal safety and security actually do comes from a barrel of a gun, the Second Amendment. I don't rely on the local police to protect me. I always try to survey the landscape, size up the surroundings, make sure I'm in a relatively safe environment that will cause no threat to my to my personal life, not my properties, you know, things I own. If I lose them, they got stolen. Like, for example, I have mentioned I got my bike stolen in uh, in South Beach, Miami Beach. Uh, probably t about 10 days ago, you know, is it bad? Yes. Am I a victim of a crime? Yes. Is it a big deal? No, because it's, it's it, I did not lose any arm. I'm not injured. I still have my life. You know, I, I make good living. I have no problem with that, but I always want to size up surroundings. So I have this uh, old fellow, uh, who approached me, uh, re re who really appreciate how I set up my, 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 my living space here. And he told me that I should get a, a, a gun with me. He told me that he did the same thing uh, with, a, uh, you know, with an RV for 15 years. He enjoyed tremendously. He, he told me I will be enjoying this kind of arrangement, just visiting you know, across America. But he strongly suggests I need to get a firearm with me. I, I took in his you know, advice. I told him I will. I told him that I'm just sizing up my surroundings, and if I find out I need to get some extra protection, I know this. My safety and security and liberty and life is protected only by myself, not by my government. And see the Second Amendment. So, so as I said earlier, the government, you know, represented by Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, is actually is the motivator of racial violence. So, so that is that. And, uh, and uh, so what else do I want to talk about? Okay, before I go to the next ones, I post the update. 
I told you guys before uh, last week is that I want to do this thing called the word of the day following, you know, this great comedian, uh, Stephen Colbert. So uh, I posted this uh, new word I come out with. I, I don't think I come up with it. I see some other people already use this word called the Malcolm Xism. Uh, I was on Byte's show last night because I believe every time the mainstream media, the government, the white privileges, when they selectively promote certain civil rights leaders, such as MLKs, while suppressing other civil rights leaders, such as Malcolm X, there is a reason for that. Okay, just like this German documentary selectively using words about the Chinese, while the entire facts will, you know, refer to other Asian fishing boats. For the same reason, they want to, they have an agenda. They want to promote, promote MLK as that nonviolent Christian, uh, Christian leader. While, you know, Malcolm X, he is a Muslim. Okay. He, he is just bad. So, there is a reason why the mainstream media, our history book, suppress leaders like, like Malcolm X while promoting MLK at the same time. And we, the people, should always remember there's a garden variety of civil rights leaders and advocates in the entire history of this country. You know, Susan B. Anthony, you know, the leader in the uh, women's suffrage movement. I admire her tremendously. She had a great exchange with the judge who find her, find her guilty for organizing women to vote. Okay? But at the same time, I know Susan, Susan B. Anthony is, does not like black people. Okay? That's okay. Meaning that it's okay to know what these fighters, these, you know, I call them civil insurrectionists, it's okay to learn what they did, what's their thought, okay? They said, you can kill a man, but you cannot kill his idea. All these, to me, heroes, including the founding fathers, okay? Despite the fact they own slaves, they have great ideas. They, their ideas should never die. Their ideas should always inspire us. So the word of the day is Malcolm Xism. Meaning a lot of the teachings from Malcolm X. So I'm going to read one of the famous quotes from Malcolm X, which actually is related to today's topic. What judicial white privileges fear the most? So here's what Malcolm X once said. When the people who are in power want to use again, create an image to justify something that is bad, they use the press. I'm going to add my comment. The press means mainstream media. Continue on what Malcolm X said. And they will use the press to create a humanitarian image for a devil or a devil image for a humanitarian. They will take a person who's a victim of the crime and make it appear he is the criminal. And they'll take the criminal and make it appear that he is the victim 
of the crime. Here it is. Going back to that German documentary, okay? Remember, uh, I just learned this Berlin conference where the Western power gathered in Berlin. They divided it up, the entire continent of Africa. The borders of African countries actually is drawn by the Europeans. So the European colonizers are actually the criminals. But here we go. The criminals actually is a paint an image using mass media, mainstream media, the press, to paint themselves as a humanitarian, caring about the livelihood of the fishermen in Sierra Leone. Well, they did worse, far worse things, not to the fish of the Africa countries, but the humans of the African countries. So you can tell Malcolm X's teaching is truly deep. Its wisdom is deep and beyond my imagination. As I told Bayard yesterday, said, I have read a lot about MLK. I have not read enough about Malcolm X. So this is one thing I want to talk about. And what Malcolm X just said is also related to what we're going to talk about today. So the, the judicial white privileges, they use the press and mainstream media always to promote it's a virtue, to promote that it's, a, you know, how great the court has been and all that, when in fact, it's quite the opposite. You know, and uh, the annual report by the U.S. Supreme Court is just a routine grandiosity of a continued legal profiteering at the expense of ju people's justice. Okay, grandiosity refers to a sense of a specialness and self-importance that might lead you to to boast about real or exaggerated accomplishments. You know, consider yourself more talented or more moral or more intelligent than the others. And at the same time, dismiss or try to win up the achievements of others. Go ahead, July. You want to, you want to share with some? With some? Go ahead. Well, I'm, I, I apologize for interrupting. I just... No, no, no. no. Okay, so let me just sort of take a little bit of a tour around some of the topics you've brought up so far today. And I'm sure. going to start with the fact that obviously this is a show. It's, it's something that a lot of the topics can fit into, but at the end of the day, it's a show too. So just a yeah. little, as, as your co-host for the day. Yes, <laughs> I, welcome. I would, Thank you. <laughs> I'll just say that... Um, I mean, you bring up a lot of good topics and it's like a, the opening monologue is a is a really good part of a format. And then you have all of these topics that it might be helpful to sort of segment that because there's so many good places to pause and have a conversation that sort of like the monologue can take on this really nebulous covering so many territories, but that's where I'll start and I'll come back to that at the end. So let me just say, as we talked about, so I'm married to somebody who is, he's half Asian. I have been for decades. And um, now Asia is a, is a monolithic term that is totally inaccurate, you know, Correct. because it's Correct. got 
so many different segments. My my husband happens to be half Japanese, um, and also that, and because we're American, that also means that that that's you know he's a mixed ethnicity or multiple ethnicity, and that's a sub segment also. So to just have a look at some of the the things you referenced in terms of encountering prejudice and stuff like that. I got an inside look that I might not have had if I didn't have this kind of background. And that's a really important thing to cover. And we're just sort of focusing on a few of the segments, but we really could talk about, you know, you've talked about um, African-American or other people of color, Native peoples, Asian descent. I mean, we we just have so many or women, you know, we have so many um, places we could focus on that now. When we're talking about judicial white privilege, I also kind of add, as we talked about, I said judicial white male privilege, because that also takes Mm -hmm. on certain, um, especially historically. Now, I know your book and a lot of times history is your focus, like it was on Bide show last night, which is totally worthwhile to look at. And then, like you mentioned, some of the people you've talked to recently bring a more personal insider view to this. And in a Mm -hmm. way especially when we're talking about the legal profession, which is supposed to be the um, the arbiter of making sure it's it's equal protection, that everybody yes. has access to this, which is not true. And when you start hearing these behind the scenes stories, and it's especially in storytelling, because again, this is, yes. this is mm-hmm. a show, sometimes people relate a lot more to someone's personal story of, you know, a real thing that happened to them, even though a lot of people love history, a lot of people like to hear those kinds of stories, but sometimes a personal story can really get at the heart of reaching people in a way that other, you know, from the big to the small can't quite get when it's from the small to the big has sometimes a little bit better methodology. Now we're also in a time, you mentioned the documentary out of Germany, where especially in America, where it's gotten so out of hand with every industry where the wealth imbalance, the profit over people, it's infected Mm -hmm. industry. And right now the best way, the only way to sort of combat that is with publicity. Now the misinformationists know this too. So it's its own battle in a way, but it really is. If we're talking about, say, for example, doing a documentary series about real people's stories from behind the scenes of the legal profession, this has some possibility to have some impact. Now I actually reached out to Bide a couple of weeks ago and sort of suggested after our talk, or maybe it wasn't a couple, maybe it was a week ago, but after our talk that, hey, you know, let's start talking about maybe doing something on this. Now, he's in a bit of a weird position because he is a lawyer. So, I mean, he would get a lot of even pushback from himself of, is this a good idea? Am I shooting myself in the foot? On the other hand, he's a passionate, you know, justice type of guy. So, yes, something to talk about. And and you also mentioned um, this sort of... uh, um, phenomenon of self-importance and specialness. Now we are also in a weird time where all of this access to media and new media, where we all have a cell phone in our hand and all this splintering of information, but each person sort of has the ability to see themselves as their own 
um, reporter, as their own, you know, documentary filmmaker, as their own content creator, all the ways we might look at it. But in that way, it's a little bit of a a new thing to sort of deal with where that splintering is is playing a part in how you fo- you form a group or you form a movement and for sure you know where where is the leader who who's going to sort of be yeah. emerge as a leader when mm-hmm. when it's such a a a, a widespread everyone can be a leader well that's both true and not everyone can be uh, a good leader or a great leader, which brings us Correct. back to Martin Luther mm-hmm. King, which was the subject of Vibes talk last night, and even Mal- yes. Malcolm X, which mm-hmm. it, it, it is a little bit of a post, um, you know, media world from that from those days where that could emerge, where people had television sometimes for the first time and were seeing some of these things on TV, and it had a big impact. It's much harder now to cut through that, the, the smoke screens and the chaff of both, um, sometimes disinformation, uh, but sometimes it's just the natural way people want to, everyone wants to tell their own story. Everyone's, everyone wants to feel important. So I'll, I'll conclude with um, back to the, this is a show, and I know you've talked about up top, you've had a lot of people who've participated in your show. Some of them have their own shows. So on mm-hmm. the specifically, everyone has the right to have their own kind of forum and to do it the way they want to. And also, yep. they come into your show and they sort of take over. Now, in a way, it's like I had a restaurant. And so some one of my jobs was to make sure that everybody had a good experience. And if Correct. If there was one person disrupting, now I gave them a long leash. I'd say, hey, you can't mm-hmm. do Everybody's mm-hmm. experience is important. And eventually, if they would not sort of get with the program, I'd kick them out. I mean, that was my right as a business owner. But also, yep. when, you're, when you're the host of a show, you sort of have an obligation to make sure everybody sort of has equal footing and sometimes and it's often men they come you know they want to dominate they want to bring up something over in a way mm-hmm. it's like taking charge it's like a leader i'm not i'm, I'm just saying as your co-host i will help you <laughs> i appreciate it i just so you, you have a cover so many I, i'm going to do it uh, slowly so there's so many great things you just talk about. Yes, you, you have to be the co-host, but I, I, I want to explore more, and I, I will tell you why. And and so, so one is this. Uh, first of all, you actually instantly remind me the fourth calling person I want to talk about today is Abide, and I forgot. You reminded me. Because uh, our, this is exactly I said it to Abide yesterday, I will say it again today. People ask me, Peter, are you a lawyer? I said, no, I'm not. A lawyer will not do this kind of topics. You will be a career suicide. Okay? But there, I see one exception. That one exception is Bide. Right? You know, what Bide is doing on calling is sending, show him, offer himself up. Offer his own career up. I, I, I remember Biden uh, once attended my episode. You know, he gave me praises then, very graciously and all that. 
And I know, you know, my, I have a heavy accent. I don't can I cannot even speak proper English here. So, and I Googled up by, and I thought, oh, he's actually a lawyer. And I cannot believe a lawyer actually get involved with this kind of stuff. So, so that for that alone, you know, you know, I, I forgot to mention him because I want to talk about him. For a lawyer to do this, again, he knows the, the inside track of the whole legal profession, which I'm going to talk about Peter, later in today. Peter, I thought Go you ahead. were a lawyer too. When I contacted you, I thought you were the extraordinary person also who was a lawyer taking that risk. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I literally told my law, uh, lawyer friends, as a, as a look, you are 74 years old. I know you're practicing, but write this book. You can use a pseudo name or you can, you will be retired soon. You know, this book can be so rich because we're just reviewing all the Supreme Court cases, plus of some lower court cases, right? So again, major kudos to Bide. Uh, you know, again, major kudos to July because she literally just <laughs> provide value to, to this show by reminding me, hey, you forgot to mention this guy. So second one is this. I agree with you by, uh, sorry, uh, July that I want to hear people's personal stories. I actually want to have a separate show, separate series for that, where people will share their actual cases with a panel of folks like you and me, and maybe by, and uh, I'll give you an example. This uh, Pan-African Socialist Party chairman, uh, he has an African name, I for forgot. The FBI raided his office and his home both went in Missouri, went in Florida. Around the same time, they raided the, the uh, Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence, okay? And, you know, I consider that to, it's a legal raid. I mean, July, you did not probably do not know this. The FBI raided my residence, okay? Uh, but Brady, I will make you a speaker too. I apologize, I wasn't able to take your call earlier. So, so, so going back to your idea, July, yes, I actually do want to talk about actual cases that has to ha that could only happen when the call callers is we will be willing to share his or her story and that is uh, something i want to explore for this particular series that i'm doing here it's a very theoretical it's more like a critical theory type of discussion based on what i know what i learned recently happened or that there's something that happened in the history, and sometimes both. And but I want to do exactly what you have suggested, and we can talk about it more. Uh, you know uh, 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 about that. And third is this: you are correct that you are not the first person telling me that Peter. A lot of stuff you did in the introductory in the introduction can be a topic all by yourself. Yes, it's so true. The problem is this. You can tell I'm a, not a native speaker of English. I have thought about do I do this show on a more frequent basis, for example, twice a week instead of just Sunday. I, I'm not fully convinced I can do it. Maybe with a co-host like you, July, I will be able to do that. Okay. Uh, last thing, going back to your personal story. I have mentioned this. I love calling because many years ago, I want to do a radio talk show 
in Chinese, talking about racial discrimination at work with a Chinese audience, Chinese-speaking audience. I will tell you this is a little little secret of myself. Okay, I worked either on W two or ten ninety nine as an independent contractor for twenty nine different companies so far, and that list is going to grow, continue to grow. One of the major reasons why I switched so many employers. Is because of a racial discrimination. Do I have a story to tell? You bet. Am I eager to tell that? Not necessarily, because, because you know, I, you know, this topic itself is pretty big. However, going back to what you said earlier, July is that are other people, especially racial minorities, discriminated at work? I bet there is. Is it easy or hard for them to find find legal assistance? I bet it is hard. Shall we listen to their stories? I would like to. And uh, the first, very first show, I talk about black rage shooting. More than half those black rage shootings are work related. Employment, it's a workplace shootings. I'm not saying only black people got discriminated at work. I'm just saying the gun violence is the indication that our justice system doesn't work that well. So, yes, absolutely, July. So I'm going to take up your, your offer. Go ahead, July. Well, I just want to clarify a little bit. I mean, first of all, call-in is a great place to do what you do on call-in. And a lot, and there are a couple people down in the audience who have been working on what, you know, making things better. And and I want to always encourage anyone who wants to try anything, go for it. And you're sort of thinking about another show, which is awesome. That's cool, too. And just to clarify what I was talking a little bit about, I kind of see I've been studying Colin, been studying some other formats because I come out of, you know, the film, theater, mm-hmm. perform mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of a realm and where it's coming up short, where it's working, et cetera, et cetera. And I do think that uh, a documentary series is maybe a little bit more of a method that Colin could support, be sort of a part of. Yes, but absolutely. I, oh, I agree with really? you. I agree. With, no, July, trust me, we're going to have a lot of opportunities down the road. I mean, topic driven, right? Project driven, right? You know, okay. we can get together, say, hey, let's collaborate on this. Will this work? By the way, uh, Brady, uh, go ahead. I want to make you a speaker because, uh, you know, I have ideas about Brady's talent because, uh, you know what? I forgot to mention, talk about Brady also. It's bad, bad me. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, July. Go ahead. Finish your, your thoughts, please. Well, it was just one last thought where I just wanted to say that it, this particular series I'm talking about, and because it is my personal story, and you mentioned your friend, the lawyer, whose daughter in sixth grade stood up in front of class and said, I don't want to be a lawyer because I don't want to be a liar. And, and, and my own story of be, coming from a family of lawyers and pushing back on that my whole life. And I have some great stories from all kinds yes. of mm-hmm. places. But what we're really talking about is behind the scenes of real lawyers, real um, ways that uh, the legal profession is sort of succumbed in a certain way to our, the failures of our society. And it's not a tool that 
it, I mean, talk about racial discrimination. Yes, but really anybody who is of who isn't wealthy or well connected, or you're just lucky, you know a lawyer who might just give you some advice, you know. But yep. really, mm-hmm. really hard to get through that that system now because the system it has fallen into the same trap all of our systems in the country have, and that's about yes. wealth mm-hmm. and profit and gatekeeping. I mean, it's it's it's. But how did it get there? I mean, I definitely have talked about, brought up in different rooms, you know, sort of. The this 40 year kind of step by step by step process that got us to this point, because I think mm-hmm. that has value to kind of understand. But it's it's such a mess right now that what are we going to do about it? Just like I said, really publicity, some sort of documentary or something yes. almost the only way to try to get at these. Yes. These, topics so 100% yes uh, trust me I'm just so glad to meet people like you Byth and a bunch of others it's just incredible yes it's a it's a you know calling is like a conference call for ideas revolutionary ideas right so you know because I'm going to talk about Brady later I know he is in the restaurant right now and I'm going to talk about what he and I talk again my bad I forgot about talking about Brady because uh you know, I want to talk about July today. I, you know, I literally have a note here. Music as a weapon. Uh, my note says music as a weapon. I'm supposed to talk about Brady and I forgot, but I, it's okay. Brady is going to call in later. So, uh, Andrew, I can see you're on the calling queue, but I'm going to continue my uh, thought process and you'll be more than, uh, 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 you're, you're more than welcome to join, uh, uh, to, to speak, uh, after this. Okay. So now I'm going to go to my, Real topics. The Roberts report. What judicial white privilege fear the most? Uh, the, each year, the courts, including the state courts, they will publish an annual report. Generally speaking, as you can imagine, the courts are like a Catholic church. They are infallible. They can do no wrong. The annual report pretty much, you know, just give them the opportunity to praise themselves, as I mentioned earlier. So this year is slightly different. The Chief Justice Roberts addressed the threats to judges' safety in this annual report. I find that to be hilarious, ironic at the highest level, which I'm going to explain. So I'm just going to read uh, selectively from this article that happened in uh, that uh, published in New York on New York Times, Washington, at the end of a wrenching year at the Supreme Court, Chief Justice John T. Roberts Jr. devoted his annual report on the state of the federal judiciary to threats to judges' physical safety. Quote: The law requires every judge to swear an oath to perform his or her work without fear or favor, but we must support judges by ensuring their safety, unquote, he wrote. A judicial judicial system cannot and should not live in fear, unquote. Some observers have hoped that the Chief Justice would use this year-end report for an update on the investigation announced in May into the leak of a draft opinion eliminating the constitutional rights to abortion. 
Others have wished that he would announce revision to judicial ethics rules in the wake of a revelation about the efforts of Virginia Thomas, the wife of Justice Clarence Thomas, to overturn the results of the 2020 election. So the reporter noticed that Chief Roberts did not give an update on the leaker investigation, which he did a few days later, which I'm going to talk about also. Instead, as his custom, Chief Justice Roberts focused on a historic episode, this one from Arkansas, in the aftermath of a Brown v. Board of Education, drawing lessons from it. Quote, the events of Little Rock teaches about the importance of rule by law instead of by mob, unquote, he wrote. Here, the Chief Justice basically saying, there is a threat to the physical safety of justice by mob. This is where, this is my comments now. This is where the a typical judicial white privileges will do. It's called virtual signaling. Here he is comparing himself and his court's decision on Dobbs to that of a Brown v. Board of Education. As I have said before, Dobbs' decision is very similar to Dred Scott decision. It's a very lousy decision. It's a reversal of a Roe v. Wade, which is a Roe v. Wade, like I said before, is made by an old male Supreme Court. Five of the Roe v. Wade justices are Republican appointed. I bet most of those Roe v. Wade courts are Christians. No one is going to convince me that today's court is more conservative than the courts in 1973, I believe. No one is going to convince me that today's court is more Christian than the one in 1973. But here you have it. John G. Roberts shamelessly compare Dobbs' decision to Brown versus Board of Education. Where actually it's the opposite. Virtual signal. He wants to compare himself to a brave judge back then. Where in fact, that brave judge is dealing with a right decision. Where he is talking about, you know, I call it, it's a repeat of Dred Scott. Which I'm going to talk about later. Another chief justice of the Supreme Court called the, by the name of Roger B. Uh, sorry. Uh, Roger B. Taney, T-A-N-E-Y. Okay? So, Chief, uh, I, I need not to, he basically, Chief Justice Roberts here in his report, recounted the bravery of this judge in 1957. All right? And uh, and uh, this guy, this judge's name is Judge Davis. I'm going to uh, jump some lines. Quote, Judge Davis had no idea what case he would draw upon his arrival to this case, where it's basically a forced integration. Okay, so uh, Timothy Davis, the, this Judge Davis' son, told the New York Times that his father did not find the case difficult. And he just basically, I have to follow what the U.S. Supreme Court said. 
It's called to follow the law. Right? Remember, I have said in my past episode, after the Brown v. Board of Education, after the U.S. Supreme Court decision on the segregation of bus in Mississippi or Alabama, I forgot which one, the Alabama state courts continued years after upheld the conviction of Rosa Parks. Does John G. Roberts ever talk about those state court judges who upheld Rosa Parks' conviction for her refusal to give up her seat after the Brown v. Board of Education, after the U.S. federal U.S. Supreme Court declares separate but equal is unconstitutional. He did not talk about that. Those state court judges, they deliberately decided not to follow the law. Right? So it's a very selective, just like I said before, it's a very selective signaling to do that virtual signaling. And here, Judge Davis' decision, which means that he has to enforce the law, the decision of by the U.S. Supreme Court. Judge Davis' decision was not the end of the matter. The enforcement, the, to enforce it in the face of an angry mob, President D, Dwight D. Eisenhower called in the 101st Airborne to protect the black students' rights to attend schools. Like I go back again, like Chairman Mao has said, the political power comes from the barrel of a gun. Our founding father of this country said the Second Amendment has to be there. It's not just a court decision. It's armed armies to enforce that law. Right? The power of justice. This is not the New York Times. This is me talking now. The power of justice actually comes from the barrel of a gun also. Remember the 14th Amendment. Not a lot of people knows about this or talk about this. The 14th Amendment is called, sometimes called a war amendment. A war amendment means it's an amendment after the war. Which war? The Civil War. The 14th Amendment is, was literally ratified under the barrels of guns because back then the Union Army still stationed in the southern states. The southern states senators is literally forced to ratify the 14th Amendment before the Union Army withdraw, withdrew from the southern states, from the Confederate states. Guess who invalidated the 14th Amendment soon afterwards? The Supreme Court of the United States. In fact, the judicial white privileges did not even need to use a gun to overturn the 14th Amendment. In fact, the court eviscerated the 14th Amendment in Plassey versus Ferguson. Which is the, what the you know which was reversed by the Brown versus Board of Education, 
So comparing Dobbs' decision to 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 the Brown versus Board is a farce, and he knows it. What I mean is that Chief Justice John G. Roberts knew it. He's an educated man. He's a man with high IQs, with elite college educations. But even with that, he would still go ahead and try to do that virtual signaling. Now he comes. What I believe is what the courts really fear. It's not their physical safety of the judges. I know criminals is a threat to the society. That include judges. The criminals does not like police. They do not like law enforcement. Do not like judges. Right? I once worked in the Philadelphia, uh, for in Philadelphia, and I've come across a judge who, who is with his bodyguards all the time. I'm told by my colleagues who are familiar with the Philadelphia, saying that judge usually presides on mob cases in Philadelphia. That's why he's always have the security details with him. There's U.S. marshals. It's not the first time. Any government employees or officials being threatened with their lives. Okay, like I said earlier, Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, is literally threatening my life as we speak right now. Do I have I ever threatened Christopher Ray's life? Never. I don't even own a gun yet. So going back to this. What the chief justice feared the most, which he did not say, is the legitimacy of the U.S. Supreme Court. If you follow Dobbs' decision, it is already known. A number of justices on the left side, you know, on the le- in the in, in the progressive side, have said the public has very very powerful reason to question the legitimacy of the U.S. Supreme Court. Once again, Chief Justice John G. Roberts knows that the court is losing its legitimacy. Okay, that for a court to lose its legitimacy, it's like a, a man of cu- uh, being accused of losing his manhood. It's a profound. It's a profound. So. I'm going to stop uh, because July wants to chime in here. Go ahead, July. Well, I just want to say, I I mean, I started as a journalism major and then I went into theater because I was really looking for deeper understanding of human behavior. And that is tied directly to growing up with lawyers, for example, and how they would present a certain face to the world. But the behavior behind the picket fence was totally different. And that disconnect, what we would call cognitive dissonance now, about how you you may do bad, but you want to feel like a good person. And so Yes, you, exactly. You go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So you create, you know, so this you you have to find a way to somehow bridge this dissonance between what you do and what you what you think of yourself. And and it's taken on this um, this huge sort of role in our society of um, of playing into that where and, and a lot of people really 
buy into that. They really have to sort of get that belief that, oh, I justify it. I'm doing good. Some people know they're doing bad, but they don't care. But it's it's the one of the main phenomenons of behavior that is driving how disconnected we are from, you know, having people living on the streets, people not being able to get health care, people not being able to get justice, but saying we're the greatest country. You know, it's really a big fucking problem. Yes. I actually is going to go back to what I said earlier about this uh, Malcolm Xism. So I'm going to repeat what Malcolm X said. When the people who are in power, in this case, John Roberts, wants to use that power again to create an image, they will create an image to justify something that is bad. They will use the press. This is exactly what John G. Roberts is using. And they will use the press to create a humanitarian image of themselves for a devil or a devil's image for a humanitarian. They will take a person who is a victim of a crime and make it appear he's the criminal. And they will take the criminal and make it appear that he's the victim of the crime. So the Dobbs decision literally is intended to make every child-bearing age woman a potential criminal being pursued by the government. Like I always said, I'm not advocating for killing babies. I'm just saying, can a woman's last menstrual period a public knowledge to a government? If you cannot, if you believe that's a private information only known to that woman, then the government cannot get any evidence to prove a crime. Right? So 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 here, you know, this is where you know what John G. Roberts is trying to do. They try to compare himself to be a to 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 have a virtue virtuous image when he's not, right? And there's more, okay? Because like, as you can tell, I'm looking deeper to this shit because it deserves that. The judicial white privilege, they are all extremely intelligent people. They know, to, they know how to come out with this shit. They are deep, okay? I'm not even over a half the way there yet. So like I said, it's not always, the, you know, the judge is not threatened for the first time because Dobbs decision. Shit happened in the past. You know, it's like a judge, it's not like a judge never commit crimes. The judge sometimes are criminals. As simple as that. So, so, so the second piece in the uh, John G. Robertson report, you're going to say, you're going to say this, okay? This is what the report says. Quote, judicial opinions speaks speak for themselves, and there is no obligation in our free country to agree with them, unquote. The the Chief Justice wrote, quote, indeed, we judges frequently dissent, sometimes strongly, from our colleagues' opinions, and we explain why in public writings about the case before us. But Judge Davis was physically threatened for following the law. He is comparing himself to Judge Davis following the law. Like I, like I said before, my fifth installment of the Dobbs decision is going to specifically talk talking about why the Dobbs court actually violated the Constitution, actually violated the originalism of the Constitution. 
under a conservative reasoning of the Constitution. Let me remind everybody again, the Roe v. Wade is decided by a Republican majority, a Christian majority, and an all-male U.S. Supreme Court. Let me, just let me remind everybody that. So I have some grounds. You know, I actually shared that with July last Sunday. And once again, you know, I just feel very blessed to have July here. So here he is saying, we are just like Judge Davis, who, who is following the law, and we're being threatened. Therefore, we are a victim, the Supreme Court justices. As you know, the Alito uh, say, someone's going to take my life because of the leaking of the document. How dare this leaker threaten my life? Signaling yourself to be a victim, going back to what Malcolm X said, is a trick of the trade. When you preemptively label yourself as a victim, then you somehow get that privilege, moral authority. Right? So this is what Malcolm X said. It's the criminals always want to paint themselves as a victim. And they paint the victims as criminal. The fugitive, the fugitive slave is a criminal, not a victim, according to slave owners. Right? So that's the second tactics they're using. I'm a victim. You're coming after me. How dare you? I'm just doing my job here. I'm infallible. So Chief Justice had quite a bit of saying about why now the U.S. Supreme Court has somehow fall victims of these threats to their uh, physical safety. Like I said before, any public officials should have a reasonable concern of their physical safety. That's why they are law enforcement. That's why there's U.S. Marshals. That does not give them the power to not to follow the Constitution. Period. I'm going to give an example to someone who actually believe have higher moral value than Chief Justice John G. Roberts. He is famously considered an evil man. His name is Robert McNamara. He is the defense minister for JFK and LBJ during the Vietnam War. There is a little story. There's a little story. Uh, Andrew, I, I see your text, but unfortunately, you know, I have important topics I want to cover. So if you have to leave, you know, you know, do it, okay? I cannot cut anything for you, uh, cut your, you know, cut the line for you, please. Thank you. So, uh, we know what happened during the Vietnam War. Uh, one day, Robert M., the defense minister, is on a ferry boat somewhere in New England. And someone come out of the boat. Uh, he's on the balcony of that boat, right by the water. Someone tried to throw him overboard to kill him. I'm very sure why that person attempts to throw Robert McNamara, uh, 
Namara overboard to kill him. Because a lot of people believe Robert M has killed tens of thousands US soldiers by not coming out sooner to say we must withdraw from Vietnam. Guess what happened to Robert M? Is this a direct threat to his safety? You bet it is. He actually declined to press charges against this person who attempted to kill him. You know why he did that? He has some basic human decency in his heart for what he did. He actually understands why this person is coming after his life. He survived it. He said, let it go. I actually believe Robert McNamara has a way better moral value than Chief Justice John G. Roberts. Because the defense minister, he did not try to cover, cover up the consequences of his poor decision making, for the, to say the least. Right now, the John G. Roberts is still trying to cover himself up, cover his courts up. Right? So that's I call it. It's the illegitimacy of the courts that John G. Roberts is really, really worried about. Hey, Peter. And go, go ahead, Joy. Why don't we just let Andrew talk for five? I'll help you remember where you are. I'm not. And now I'll go with whatever you want. I saw the chat, but. Sure. Oh, sure. I, I'll, I'll take Andrew. Go ahead, Andrew. Hey, Peter. Yeah, I'm not trying to interrupt your topic. I just had a couple of thoughts um, about just the phenomenon of government officials in general, not just the judges self-victimizing um, and the Congress doing it after January 6th uh, as well, when the only people who died yes. January know. 6th were protesters. Yes. I know. Um, they, yeah, I mean, it's a very common tactic, and I see the same thing replicated in U.S. and British politics now, where they're talking about, you know, World War II, or the, like you were mentioning earlier, the Brown versus Board of Education. Those are some of the very few instances where you can look at the behavior of the American government and go, well, they were kind of in the right there. Like, they were kind of in the right to assist the Soviets and the Europeans in fighting Nazi Germany, and they were kind of in the right for short, you know, uh, desegregating. So the, that's the only, whether it's cognitive dissonance or whether it's an intentional um, attempt to bend the truth and craft a narrative about themselves and they know what they're doing, it's not just like they can't accept their own bad behavior. I think they know what they're doing, and it's it works very well. For, for people to compare themselves, like in the military establishment right now, to oh, well, we can't make the same mistakes of Neville Chamberlain in World War II. We have to go and crush uh, Putin immediately or he's going to invade the whole entire rest of Europe. Like, unfortunately, that does work temporarily. We always kind of see, like, later on a swing back around. But about war, like, eventually people come back and say, this has been a mistake. We need to get out of this war. I wish it would happen earlier. But I don't know do you, if you think that that will happen in this case with the 
justices. I mean, there's already a lot of people who don't trust them, but I think the Supreme Court still retains like a a sort of mythical fake, um, you know, impartiality. A lot of people still think, oh, well, this, the courts work. Maybe we don't trust the Congress or the media or depending who's president, we don't trust Trump or we don't trust Biden. But I feel like it's extra dangerous when the when the court is still able to do bullshit like this that kind of pulls the wool over. This actually is a great point where I'm going to continue my stuff because that's exactly what I'm going to talk about. Uh, like Andrew had just said, January, uh, actually, uh, July also mentioned this. It's about the publicity. Generally, the, the public dislike a president, you know, depending on whether that president is from Demo- uh, Democrats or Republican. Generally, the public does not like a Congress because it's a mixture of all kinds of, uh, you know, creatures, swamp creatures. But generally, in the past, the people have led to be the courts are always stable, consistent, right? Remember, it's called the jurisprudence. It's meaning science of law, right? Philosophy of of law, meaning you are you are operating in a very stable, you know, genius kind of thing, right? And that you are morally educated, whatever, right? But it's not. So what? Have, what I have observed, this is oh, this is the show all about. Because I think that the, the entire country's courts will hate me to their guts. Each judge in this country want to lock me up. I'm pretty sure. I'm just the whole show is about the, the illegitimacy of the courts. So now I'm going to talk about what Andrew just said. Is people start questioning the courts now? Yes, because the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan. And uh, and uh, Sotomayor already said the Dobbs decision literally put the legitimacy of the court, Supreme Court in jeopardy, and I agree with them. And now I'm going to talk about the, in the history when this thing happened. It is pretty hilarious. Okay, I'm going to go back to Civil War. The legitimate the the legitimacy of the courts was seriously challenged. That including the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay, first imagine Nebraska. I believe it's in Nebraska, not Nevada, but in this territory called Nebraska, it's not a state yet; it's a territory. You have a two f- political forces moving into that state, that territory. I'm sorry. One is pro-slavery, another is anti-slavery. Okay, in those days, I know John Brown is, you know, doing some fightings over there. You know, there's a lot of military conflicts. You literally have a pro-slavery people have their own legislature, their own law enforcement, mostly private private persons enforcing the law, and their own courts. At the same time, the anti-slavery forces have their own legislature, their own courts, and their own militia or law enforcement. They literally battled during those areas, uh, during those times. And during those times, there is a saying by one of the famous leaders there saying, the courts is just a tool for us to go after our enemy. Like, this is one thing. During the Civil War, as you know, this uh, I'm going to come back to this Supreme Court Justice, Roger B. Taney. He is the one who decided on Dred Scott. He is also the one 
who made many decisions against President Abraham Lincoln. As a matter of fact, imagine this guy, Chief Justice Roger Taney. He literally will speak at public rallies with thousands and thousands of people supporting slavery. That he will speak against President Lincoln. Okay, so basically, literally, that equates to today's John G. Roberts, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, gets on Twitter and blasts President Joe Biden or President Donald J. Trump. This J- Chief Justice Roger Taney literally come out because at that time, even the president is questioning the legitimacy of the U.S. Supreme Court. Here comes the worst. You can Google this yourself if you don't believe me. Google this case called the Booth versus Abelman. Booth, uh, just like John Booth, who killed the president, but it's a different person. Booth versus Abelman. Able, just like a very able person. Man, M-A-M. Booth versus Abelman. In that case, the Wisconsin Supreme Court clashed with the U.S. Supreme Court in an unprecedented way. In Booth versus Abelman, the Wisconsin court ruled, I believe, that the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 is unconstitutional. Okay? And uh, meaning that it's unconstitutional under the Constitution of the United States. So here's a state court saying this federal law is unconstitutional under the federal constitution, let alone the Wisconsin's constitution. Okay? And the parties will appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the clashes between the Wisconsin Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court is so bad, the U.S. Uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court never sent the paper to the U.S. Supreme Court. So let me repeat. So if you U.S. Supreme Court decided to pick up a case, the lower courts, they have to sum, bring all these paperwork, back then probably in boxes, and ship it to Washington, D.C. So the U.S. Supreme Court justice can look at them and make their decision. The Wisconsin Supreme Court refused to send the paper, the case paper, to the U.S. Supreme Court. That is how bad it is. And that's exactly right before the Civil War broke out. So who is the victims here? To me, thanks to the court decision on John Punch, which sentenced him to be the slave among three indentured laborers, Slavery got started. How many people was Africans were victimized by the by the court's decision? Who is the victim here? It's not the court. It's the people. Fast forward to year 2022. These are Puerto Rican Americans by the name of Avelo Madero. The federal government saying you need to return $28,000 of your SSI benefit payment to the U.S. government. And the, U- the U.S. Supreme Court sided with the U.S. government. So who is the victim here? 
Who needs to come up with $28,000 now and give it back to the U.S. government? A Puerto Rican, not a U.S. Supreme Court. Right? To me, the judicial white privileges supported the racial massacres, slavery, segregation, quote, wars, unquote, domestic and foreign. They literally have blood in their hands, too. Like I said, Robert McNamara has some sense of human decency. He knew what he did, the decision he made in a government official capacity has killed a lot of lives with no good reasons. You know, he was literally threatened with his life, but he said, no, let it go. But the why Ju Chief Justice John G. Roberts want to make a big deal out of that? Instead of just hire a few more bodyguards for the justices, it's another virtual signaling. Okay, so now, as you can imagine, say, boy, Peter, you're pretty passionate with it. Yes, I am, because they really gave me a lot of materials just by this annual report and the leaker investigation. So I'm going to go to the next step. There's another example why the court is really losing its legitim legitimacy is on this leaker investigation. The courts published the leaker investigation report recently. He has a quite of commentary on mainstream media criticizing the US Supreme Court, which I totally agree. I have said enough about the leaker investigation. I have said there's no federal statute defining or the Washington DC uh, statute defining leaking this kind of material is a crime first. So the, this, it's, this, it's not a crime. You, do, you have to have a crime to investigate. Second, the U.S. Supreme Court is not, does not have the original jurisdiction over a crime committed in Washington, D.C. In other words, if there is a sexual assault inside the U.S. Supreme Court, the original jurisdiction belongs to the Washington, D.C. court or the federal court in Washington, D.C., not the U.S. Supreme Court. Again, these justice, chief justice, they are smart enough to know this, but why they do that? They do that because they believe they can be lawless. They don't have to follow the law, right? So I have said it before, the leaking is an act of a civil insurrection, telling the public the court is the lawbreaker when it comes to Dobbs' decision. The leaking is not crime because the legal professions, and July will agree with me on this, there's no law regulating the legal professions. There's a, no, there's a law regulating a medical doctor. There's a law regulating a barber shop. There's a law regulating butchers. There's a law regulating truck driving, the trucking industry. There's no law reg regulating this industry called the law profession. I'm not the one who's saying that. I'm going to read Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch what he said during his confirmation hearing. It's fabulous. Okay? So 
Bear with me. This is exactly what just, uh, uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch said in his during his confirmation hearing on the Senate. Quote, and I pointed to three potential sources of problems where we lawyers maybe should look internally rather than blame others for the problem. There is plenty of blame to go around. I'm not a big blame guy, but I am a look inside guy. And what I do see in our, what and what do I see in our profession? There are three things that I pointed to in that article. First, our own ethical rules. It is a very unusual profession where we are allowed to regulate ourselves. It is quite an extraordinary privilege. I hereby emphasize the word privilege. Remember, this show is about judicial white privilege. So what Justice Gorsuch thinks that it is a remarkable privilege for lawyers and judges to regulate themselves without a actual law. So they are literally can operate lawlessly, lawlessly. Okay? So he's, again, I'm gonna repeat, I'm gonna just continue. It is a very unusual profession where we are allowed to regulate ourselves. It is quite an extraordinary privilege. Usually it is the legislature, right? But lawyers basically regulate themselves and do all of our ethical rules necessarily help our clients or do some of them help us more than they help our clients. So what here, what the Neil Gorsuch is saying is this, the lawyers are allowed, I don't know who allowed them, but they are allowed to operate without a law governing their conduct and behavior. So remember this, the leaking of this draft is a lawyer, law clerk, judge's behavior, which as Neil Gorsuch said, there's no law regulating this kind of conduct, period. So here's a question for Chief Justice John G. Roberts. You know all these judges, all these lawyers, both in the state and the federal court, you all operate without a law, lawlessly. Then why you make a big deal out of it? Why you're now crying wolf, say, oh boy, my life is now threatened because of this leaking. Guess what? You did not regulate. We did not make laws for lawyers and judges. You literally can say, like what Donald Trump said, you can go to the Fifth Avenue and shoot person, shoot a person and get away from it. Right? So these are their own words. This is what I'm trying to say. Go ahead. Joy. Well, Go ahead. I'm, I'm just adding to this. I mean, obviously, when you're talking about the biggest of the big kind of references, including historical, we you know mentioned World War II, the Civil War, Trump, Vietnam. I mean, these are all good reference points. And also, when you're talking about just regular folks down on the ground doing what they do in their daily life, but also for many years now, 
that if you see someone seizing power and they get away with it, if you're exploiting, you know, other people to get what you want, if you're practicing abuse tactics and forming these toxic groups, because every power predator, as I call them, needs a group. Yes. Gang up. Yes. Yes. It's the weird Mm -hmm. thing in the world that we sort of said during the Trump era, you know, oh, it's so weird. Why is everyone going along with them? But if you watch it in a small way, you see that a lot of people, they're not at all the same. But when someone sort of seizes power and they're willing to do the worst things in front of everybody that you're going to see most people in the group, they'll, they'll either look the other way or they don't want that to be them. So there it's a fear tactic. There's often there's some people who are like, ooh, that power is like is sort of a turn on. Let me get in on that. But, <laughs> yes. But I like if, the word turn on. Yes. Go ahead. But if, if you've if that's sort of been going on for a long time and there's no repercussions and no way to get legal help to counter it, because that profession has also sort of succumbed to the same sort of power tactics and, um, you know, win or do as much bad as you want, as long as you're winning and as long as you're making money, you know, and that, that, and, and that sort of over time really becomes a logic that's kind of undeniable. You are either going to get with the program and play by those same set of, you know, awful rules to to at least you're not you and your family aren't going to get under the dump truck because you were quote unquote a sucker they even have the word for it now if you're if you stand up and say i i this is bad this is wrong and you get taken down by that power and you have no repercussions you're a sucker you're a sucker yes. for yeah. stick, you're, for sticking your neck out for trying to yep. do good so trying to do good is almost like has become the bad thing and doing yep. bad has become the good thing. And it's, yes. and right. it's all through society, small and large. It's yep. we're, we're in terrible trouble. And so, you know, Andrew and his group, and that's why I say everyone who's trying to do something more power to them. It, and also, you know, it's a little bit hard in all this fractured, everyone doing little things here and there to sort of get a momentum and a movement. But that's Mm -hmm. what we're talking about. But, but we, it's going to take a lot to counter how far down that, um, you know, negative line we've gotten as a whole society. So anyway. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Oh, no doubt. I mean, you can uh, tell July that I'm going by their words, not mine. Right. This is a justice. Neil Gorsuch said, you know, he, he, here is the reality of that, right? As, you know, people ask, then how come the Congress never make any laws to regulate the, the, this legal profession? I said it before, Congress are made of, majority of them are lawyers. We are not going to expect lawyers to make laws to regulate themselves. You know, it's like having a, you know, a tobacco industry to regulate themselves. It's, that doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So, you know, the good news is that I'm about to be done. <laughs> so, and uh, I apologize. So I, I thank everyone who stick with me. So in conclusion is this. 
So anyone who who threatens another person physically or in, in any any other form is a problematic person. You know, it's it's a violation of a specific code, local code or or federal code. You know, I'm certainly against it, no doubt about that. But you see the whole sh- you know charade that that that, that this uh, Chief Justice John G. Roberts put up to cover up this horrible year of 2022 in his annual report is really represented this, this real fear, this institutional fear that, you know, the courts are gradually losing the grip on its legitimacy. You know, and that is just a fact. Because I have seen a number of very interesting cases right now on the docket. And I truly cannot tell how the court, what direction the court is going to go. You know, I think I talked about this uh, uh, Harvard admission lawsuit. I can't wait. I, I think there will be no, either way, whatever they decide, I think it's going to be bad. For the reasons of this, in my opinion, is this. This thing called a white majoritarian democracy has has accumulated too many moral and legal baggages in this country. Sometimes when the baggage is so heavy, you, the entire society or the government will be put in a standstill. So, so I look forward to all these decisions. But I definitely believe is this. The legitimacy of the court is in serious jeopardy, very similar to uh, this uh, Roger B. Haney's Supreme Court right before and during the Civil War. So, so, so that's pretty much what I want to say today. Uh, July, any other comments, July? Well, I guess I just think that its legitimacy should be in question. I mean, it, it got there because of its own actions and its own you know, succumbing to, I mean, I guess we'll call it the worser nature of humans, you know, and mm-hmm. how, how they sort of band together to get power, get their way, exploit, etc. So if it's, if the court is getting le- delegitimized, just like, you know, the legal profession, medical insurance, you know, whatever it is, they deserve the the illegitimate label, if you know, we're going to call it that, and they deserve the the pushback that finally seems to be building now. Because people, I mean, how how much can people take being squeezed before they really have to push back? You know, so mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a tough time for so many people. I mean, as you know, there's so many just there's just no place you have sort of a respite from the pressures unless you're doing really well. And then you, you know, might suffer a little bit from, you know, the not realizing what's going on to be nice about it or turning the other way if it's not affecting you to be not as nice about it. But where, you know, as a society, that imbalance and the, the screws just screwing in more and more and more in every department is just is going to have a certain kind of pushback and it's deserved. So that's what. Yep. 
uh, yes, right, right now, July, because, you know, I have repeatedly talked about these gun violence issues. It's a, it's a, just a symptom of this functioning justice system, right? You know, and of course, you know, every time gun violence is involved, someone's physical safety is endangered. No doubt about that. Right. You know, you know, I care about the lives of all those judges and their family members, just as I care about a Walmart shoppers who got killed in another Walmart shooting and all that. You know, but guess what? You know, like July had just mentioned earlier, a lot of this stuff for, for judges, a lot of this stuff is because their own deeds is their own conduct. And you cannot blame, you know, you cannot just try to self victimization and do those virtual signaling saying somehow you can retain the legitimacy of the court. The legitimacy of the court is that to, is to, for them to show, to demonstrate through their conduct that they are diligent enough, intelligent enough, and has the integrity to follow the letter of the law and the constitution. If they don't, of course, the people can totally be upset about it. And the fact that Congress want to enact a law to uh, legalize abortion itself is just an indication that the Congress is losing confidence in the legitimacy of the court. So, And, and I'll just add, too, that um, just when you're talking about people's behavior, it, 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 and a lot of the things we're talking about are a reflection of the pain people are feeling deep inside, both from you know, the, the the feeling of insecurity that they can't take care of their family or that, you know, they have one medical problem or that they're not being heard. All of these reflections of pain can either take the form of, you know, you turn it inward to yourself and that might be, you know, you might have do drugs or you might, you know, yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you get mad and you put it out and you yep. pick up a gun. And I'm not, certainly we're not, in any way, shape, or form, advocating for that at all, but it's just exactly. a reflection of pain all throughout society as as all of these events, you know, whether they turn it on their family or they turn it out in public or they turn it on themselves, it's it's a crisis of pain, and and our society and the way our you know the cost of food, the co- you know the the de- where workers aren't valued, where you you can't afford this and that. I mean, how many ways can you squeeze people before they snap in one way or another? You know, that, so. exactly. Someone, some people don't handle these hardships well. They will snap. You know, and uh, that's you know that's I think what happened totally. And, and some people are lucky that they have support systems. They have family yep. or they have resources. Some people, you know, have just a, a bigger, uh, you know, way of dealing with it or, or somewhere they can go. But even our systems of charity and resources that are supposed to be help those safety net ways that you're supposed to be able to get help have been turned in a bad way to where even if you manage to get through to one of them, which is hard enough, there's a gatekeeping system to where you jump through so many hoops and maybe you'll get a crumb of hell. It's just, it's really, it's like you have nowhere to go. You turn here, you try this, you turn here, you try this. And as many doors are closed, that is like 
that is leading to desperation. And look, yep. you, you just have to look in any city, small or large, at our people living on the street and it, it, it's showing. How can you not see that every day? How can and I get mad, I, you know, I was raised as a Democrat, so I get most mad at Democrats in a way because they've dropped the ball, you mm-hmm. know, in a mm-hmm. way they had opportunities to do more, but mm-hmm. they're, they're playing by the same behind the scenes profit, you know, stuff that that all the sort of wealth and power are playing into. So, yeah. Let the greed take over, basically, right? Let their personal yeah, greed and the, and take the cost over. of real human cost is like, well, we figured out a way to either justify it, look the other way, or even make turn it. Oh, this is a good thing, you know? How that cognitive dissonance can manifest. I know Ma- Andrew was kind of making that a distinction, but I'm saying it's all cognitive dissonance. It's just how you, what what each individual sort of justifies it with whether it's like oh yeah 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 i'm i'm really a good person and this is a good thing to do or you're like hey 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 i know i'm doing bad but i don't care you know it really (laughs) behind the door stuff basically i know exactly what you're talking about yep yeah i uh i think i made a comment the other days that despite the fact that i love the book uh this audio book called the pentagon papers but I listened to it. I regret that I did not hear uh, any racial slurs about the Vietnamese and Chinese. I'm pretty sure there's a prof- there's a tremendous amount of profanities, racial slurs used behind the closed door. And I wish they can publish those. And because to me, it's because, uh, like I said, the uh, JFK has once said, we want to do this not because it's easy, because it is hard. He's talking about the Kennedy Space Program, going to the moon. But I want to ask him the same question, going to Vietnam. Do you go to Vietnam because it's easy to kill the Vietnamese or is it because it's hard to kill Vietnamese? And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure back then, behind the closed door, all those deep state thinkers are thinking it should be very easy to kill the Vietnamese and defeat them militarily. Because we're just the only, you know, we're the superpower. We have all the weapons that we ever, you know, the world can ever imagine. And I'm pretty sure a lot of racial slurs are used to represent that racial prejudice. It's not hubris. It's not hubris at all. It's not an accident. It's a deliberate act. They said, by all the calculation, we can win militarily and we're going to oppress them militarily until these Vietnamese will submit to us politically yeah it's the dehumanizing tactic which to bring it into more recent past i mean the whole um just the the whole thing that we've been hearing for years from uh various groups saying you know this is happening with the police these bad things are happening to us it was the the camera the cell phone camera that really sort of shifted the narrative where people had actually then started seeing for themselves the proof that what this kind of exploitative or abusive and worse um, tactics were happening, you know, in everyday normal life. And then, of course, in, in realms of power with the police and other things. And now, weirdly, we're turning into this next chapter where being able to manipulate the video itself and 
even even sort of just declaring it fake or not real had worked really well. But now you're going to be able to actually manipulate the the video itself to be, uh, you know, uh, not a, a not true version of what it is. So we're mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. like um, we're really in trouble. <laughs> In that sense, you're absolutely correct. Yes, I mean, of course, that's just a huge topic all by itself, right? Yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, totally, yeah. Well, uh, Brady, I saw you there. Uh, do you want to uh, chime in here? Uh, because I, I thought you want to talk about some something uh, earlier this morning. Let me see. Yeah, maybe Brady just uh, still in the re- res- uh, in the restaurant or supermarket and all that. But if nothing else, thank you, July, to be a, such a great and gracious co-host. I think I'm going to bug you from this point on. <laughs> I'm going to bug you to be the co-host every time now. Oh, <laughs> and thank you for having me, Peter. Feel feel free to IME because uh, uh, I'm totally open to uh, do a different series to go talk about uh, personal uh, stories. And uh, I'm totally up to that. And uh, and uh, you know, I I consider myself a pretty good listener. I'd be happy to 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 join you in that effort. Well, I appreciate that, Peter, and I appreciate you having me up and letting me talk as I you know try to sort of express what I'm trying to say. I and we will keep talking about it. I mean, it's a good idea. We'll talk. To, we'll rope Biden to discuss how we might. Um, manifest that other idea and continue with that topic as well. So yeah, absolutely. Like you know, I think on the employment side of it, just a, you know, I would love to have folks calling about their workplace harassment, discrimination, and all that. Right? You know, especially you know, just 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 tons that we can talk about, and we can broadcast it even to a greater audience because everybody works, and you know, everybody will experience harassment, discrimination, and you know, let them share their stories, and you know, you know, I think it can be a good. Uh, good topic. Yeah, it, it some of that is the method because, you know, people are justify justifiably often nervous or fearful about that kind of public forum. So really yep. the, the way we go about it, that's why I say a documentary film might be the yep. best way to go only because or documentary series because there's going to be so much material where it, you have the more more control to protect people's identities if they want to tell a story. And you've brought up just, I mean, just to get more specific when we're talking about, you know, exposing abuses with from behind the scenes of the legal system in particular, since we started talking with that, you know, you have a couple of people you've referenced who, you know, may or may not want to be super public about it, but that conversation already has, you know, several people to be able to, you know, just reveal why what they've seen behind the scenes is so important to, you know, the state the legal profession is in right now. Yep. So. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yes. Thank you again. Thank you, everyone. And uh, have a great rest of your Sunday. And uh, I will see you next Sunday.